Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Hello everybody, it's Han from Full of Beans. This week's episode I'm joined by Andy Jones who is a mental health advocate and shares his experience of eating disorders and mental health and particularly has a focus on sharing his experience of a man who is potentially older than what we would expect somebody to have an eating disorder with. Andy is so passionate about reducing the stigma associated with eating disorders and it was amazing to be able to talk to him. It was also a really difficult conversation to have because I heard from Andy about how crippling and chronic his eating disorder is and the impact that that's having on not only him and his life but his family, his relationships and the difficulty he's having to step away from his eating disorder. These conversations are so important to be having, but they can be triggering for some individuals. We do talk about eating disorder behaviours and with Andy having a current eating disorder, he does touch on behaviours that he's currently experiencing. So I just wanted to note that and allow you to check in with yourself and to know that this podcast will always be here. So it's something you can come back to in the future if now is not the right time. So with that in mind, here's this week's podcast with Andy Jones. Hello. I can hear you now. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. So we'll just crack on if you're happy to happy to do so. Yeah, no problem at all already. Yeah. Amazing. So obviously we're here today to talk about like your experience of having an eating disorder and, and your mental health. So I guess I wondered if you could maybe start by sharing with the listeners what that experience has been for you. And I know it sounds so sort of, oh, you know, just explain it in a few sentences, but as much as you want to share with the listeners um, without, you know, diminishing your experience. Yeah, okay. I first got I, I, anorexia back in my eating disorder back in 2008 nine uh at a think then and it, it it wasn't something that came on overnight i'd always suffered sort of anxiety if that makes sense unsure of myself and that goes back from when i was a child and some abuse i suffered but I, you know that that's too painful for me to talk about and uh it was one of those moments where i used to eat well uh and you know i'm in the catering trade which was, you know, at the time I was director of catering and innovation, so for a multinational company. So you can see um, how I even worked in the NHS, I worked in healthcare. So I fully understood about dietetics and uh, nutrition and hydration. Um, But I just went one day, never meant to become obsessive or, uh, you know, where I did. And then I went to Weight Watchers and I started losing weight and you feel good. And I started exercising and you feel in control. And that was really, I'd had a bit of trauma at work. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I just carried on losing weight and I looked good 
and every day I'd started wearing myself twice, three times a day, um, not realising I was ill, just I looked good. Um, and then I didn't, I wasn't eating at all then. You know, funny how people remember you, the people at uh, a certain um, store, food store in uh, Obi used to call me the Mr. Tomato Man or Mr. Pear because I used to go in every day after work just for that. And my wife said to me one day, you, you look ill. And I was terrible. I couldn't do anything. I was it's startling for people. People didn't recognize me. I started getting depressed because I wasn't losing enough weight. I started going on the internet, looking out to lose even more weight. I was taking diuretics. I was buying drugs as much as I could. I was actually beginning, when I started the weight loss, the doctor put me on a thing called Reductal, which has now been banned in the UK, um, which, you know, suppresses the appetite, sort of helps. I was even hunting for those on the dark web. You know, I, I was just looking for anything to help me. And then um, my wife said to me, look, you're getting worse. Well, I went to my GP, sent me to the hospital, and we both went, and it was... It was one of those surreal moments because it was where we actually both worked years ago. So you can imagine going back to the hospital where you worked. It was a, another trust actually on that tr site and uh, went in there. And I'll always remember it because the doctor took me to be uh, weighed and he just said to me, can you squat down? And I couldn't get up. And as I walked back, he got back in the office. He said, well, you're definitely anorexic. And I went, how do you know? And he was explaining to me. Uh, I took counselling on, which I rejected. I, you know, I fought against it really badly. Uh, didn't want to lose weight. Falling out, my mental health was deteriorating. My relationships with people at work, people in my friends, my wife, my family were all suffering. And, you know, they, they just didn't know. They hadn't dealt with this before. So it was new to them. They were going to admit me uh, just before Christmas uh, of that year. And I just carried on. I just, just wanted to lose weight. I Every time I looked at myself in that mirror, I was fat. I was trying to walk, but obviously the exercise was getting even worse for me because I couldn't, I'd got no energy. Uh, muscle mass was going. I was just, just going downhill. And you know, I was snapping at people. I was getting really irritable. And if somebody said to me, you look really, you know, you look ill to me, they were saying you look fat. That that was what was contemplated in my mind. As soon as anybody said that, you look ill. I got to the hospital on uh, the day before Christmas Eve and I'd lost another half a pound. Doesn't sound a lot, does it, to a lot of people, half a pound, but that half a pound put me in where they were going to admit me. However, I was 45. Men don't get eating disorders, and especially men of, you know, adults of 45, we, we just don't suffer it, according to the statistics. But clearly we do. There's other people who I now have met who have, uh, both male and female. It's, you know, it's one of those things, and I've accepted that. But there wasn't any beds for me in the whole of the East Midlands. There wasn't one male bed available for me, so I couldn't be admitted. Uh, weirdly though I was still cooking if I'd got the energy I was cooking for others it was like I was trying to reflect off them 
it was like my therapy but it was it was odd i'd never touch the food i'd never sample it never do anything i was purging uh even with nothing in me i was purging i was just trying anything just to keep losing weight even christmas day i was i tried to find some scales because yeah they, were, they took scales away from home i was buying scales i was doing anything just to weigh myself so i was down and then one day we went for a family meal early in the new year um i agreed to have a salad i sat in the salad i was shaking crying and i went to the toilet made myself purging and that was the epiphany at that time because i came out my two sons were there and it broke my heart that they'd heard me doing what i was doing and they were young at the time so i made the conscious effort and i did start to recover and i did recover um in my view i recovered and i started back to healthy life uh, and then i started putting weight back on i guess things that happened in my personal life i'd start putting weight back on uh, and i was fine discharged and then literally june the 5th june the 8th this in uh 22 i went to wembley to see england denmark and i'd finished with that company i was now working uh for myself and i saw a friend of mine in wembley my two sons had grown up by then they were outside enjoying what I used to enjoy. And I went in, I'd met this friend and he says, Cool, Jonesy, you've put some timber on. And that meant weight. And I just literally from that moment on, I went in, looked at myself in the mirror in the toilets at Wembley, was crying. And I never ate for a month. And that was the trigger for my anorexia to come back. And it did. It's come back with a vengeance. I'm now under um, supervision for the, you know, I go to the eating disorders clinic. I struggle each day to eat properly, but I'm trying, I get onto the regimes. It's my mental health suffered again. Um, possibly had a breakdown last year. I, I just couldn't concentrate, couldn't do anything. I was back at work, working within the NHS and I was really struggling. And, but I shared my story a few years ago with eating disorders awareness week and i i decided to make people aware that you can beat it you can you know don't stigmatize people with eating disorders so i've really raised the try to raise the awareness that it's not a stigma people do suffer it whether it's anorexia bulimia uh, and many other eating disorders that people suffer and it's not just a you know, sadly, it's not just a young person's affliction. It is everybody, you know, anybody of any age can get it. So I'm a testament to. And also, we, um, I thought once the episode was over, that was it. But clearly, it's something that can be with you for life. And s small triggers like it did to me that day triggered it. But I'm fighting and I want to raise awareness through what I've suffered with other people to make them understand that it's not a stigma. I was offered help, uh, not by my current employer, by a past employer 10 years ago. You know, promised the earth, nothing materialised. People were calling me uh, nutter. I oh, just get on with it. You know, oh, you need to kick up the backside, those sort of things. People just don't understand 
the effect it has on the person, but for me, the effect it has on the family and other people I work with, you know, and if I could say sorry to everybody, I would, um, who I've probably put out with. And oddly, I also run a week called Nutrition and Hydration Week. I'm a co-leader, and that's a global event that many people have probably heard of. And people think, well, that's really weird. He understands. I was chair of the Hospital Caterers Association in between my two episodes of anorexia. And I championed food. You know, it runs through my veins. I've won major awards for campaigning and, and my work within the food industry. But... I guess as a chef, I'm a qualified chef. I fell out, I've literally fell out of love with food, but I'm back in love. I bake as a therapy. Therapy is my baking. And people find that really weird that I won't eat it, but it's it's in me. And I think that's part of my recovery plan. Yeah, I appreciate Andy, you sharing all of that. Um, it really kind of, yeah, it's, it's a lot um, and I'm really, grateful for you to share it and I think it's amazing that you are able to share that for, for other people because I think like you say there are so many stigmas attached with eating disorders and you know you sharing your personal story will help so many people to to know that you know it does affect anybody um, and I think there's a number of things that I want to kind of pick up on from from what you've shared but I think you know what you just mentioned there about the nutrition and hydration week I can understand from like an outsider's perspective how that is like oh what like you should know all about how to keep yourself healthy and how to eat and oh you like baking so why won't you eat it but I've heard that so many times from people you know I myself was a nutrition student um and I you know my mum will always say to me you know exactly what you need to do why aren't you doing it and often I think we're attracted to those sorts of things because we are so interested in it but also it's very easy to kind of know what you need to do but actually doing it for yourself when maybe you you really don't like yourself you know you don't want to look after yourself and I think that's often the part is it's a way of um hurting yourself is I, yeah. I see an eating disorder as a form of self-harm so it's very difficult even if you have the knowledge to be able to put that in practice for yourself and I think with the cooking and baking and stuff I've seen that so many times because I think there's maybe a few elements to it but it's one that you're getting that satisfaction from preparing the food being around food because ultimately at the end of the day somebody with an eating disorder it's not that well in my experience it's not that I don't like food it's actually that I don't want to give myself the pleasure of food because I don't feel worth it and so by being able to prepare that and be around it and then give somebody else that pleasure that's almost like a second-hand thing that I get to see them enjoy it but I don't get the consequences yeah. of what might happen if I did eat it. And I think that's that's exactly how I feel. It's it's seeing the joy of other people, if that makes sense. And I, from from my baking, and I, I love experimenting. You know, I, I I'm innovation driven. Nothing. I use the word nothing is impossible. Everything's possible. And you know, it might take you a while to get there because of technology. But you know, if, if you look where we've come from, from using this technology that we, we're now using over the web, you know, if we'd have sat here 10 years ago, we'd have probably not been able to do this. You know, I 
it's it's fascinating how things have come on and i guess with me i'm transfixed when i get something in my mind i go i fix my mind on it i've always been a bit like that and i guess that's the mental health side of me coming out uh, you know I, I love a challenge and nutrition and hydration week was certainly a passion of mine and you know i'm laughed at because i'm the ideas man you know i'm the one who came up with the global tea party and the you know, that type of thing because everybody can do a scone and a cup of tea and it's so important to people's lives and you know i can talk about it absolutely you know recently i've got an art issue and it it's you know, it's it's not being brought on by the anorexia that is generic that we found out but of course you know the eating disorders added to that because i'm not getting the nutrients and mm. you know, now my wife is giving me you know milkshakes i've agreed to try milkshakes three times a week and uh, and sandwich and some and it, it's the small steps i think what people don't understand small steps to somebody with an ed are huge leaps but small steps are a big achievement you know for me that's the impossible of eating every time i eat it and do i have relapses yes of course i do you know i'm fighting this but I've still got this little thing in back of my mind, this mental thing on my shoulder that I'll often say, you know, come out with that F word. You know, I'd even put pictures of me being fat everywhere, inside of cupboards, um, inside of my wardrobe. It is really weird. It, you know, it, it takes your life, but it affects everybody else. And as I said, if I could apologise, you know, one thing I'd love to do is get in a time machine and just go back and try to understand why but i've had to live with it i know i could come out of this episode of it and be absolutely fantastic uh you know not 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 suffer it again but i have to say the leicestershire partnership trust have been absolutely fantastic you know i'm getting the support from the doctors there's not the beds i appreciate that but i work within the nhs so i know the pressures i don't blame uh, the system, you know, if anything, I blame the government. You know, my, my, my stance is always at them because there's lack of funding and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And that's something that I've said, I don't know how many times on this podcast is that ultimately it comes down to the resources and the money that we have and the people that are working in the NHS in the eating disorder services want so badly to help. That's why they're there. Um, but you know it must be so challenging to see patients that you know you you've just not got the sort of resources for and I wanted to ask you because I think one I'm really glad that you're being so open about it and almost you know saying about how weird it is because I think often when somebody's been there done that and I know that you're you're in it at the moment it can almost be a bit normalized because it's your life but actually you know and I hope you don't mind me asking this question, but you said there, like you are a very in innovative person and, you know, when a challenge comes, you dive right into it and you get on with it. And you mentioned, you know, that it's really impacted your relationships. And, and the one thing you want to do is go back in time and kind of maybe change things. So, and when I say this question, it's going to sound like I'm like, oh, why can't you just recover? I completely get it's not that easy. I've been in this situation for 12 years myself. But from your perspective, 
you know, why do you think that you can't just say, well, this is really impacting me and my life's pretty crap. You know, I've got all of these issues and, and my health is maybe being affected and my family and my relationships. Why can't you just wake up tomorrow and recover? I don't think it's as easy as that. I really do think it's more in depth. Um, I mean, the counselling I've had this time has been good, but again, you, you do fight it. And I'm, you know, the funding's gone, so I'm paying for my own counselling now. But I think for me, it's so difficult just to get up in the morning and say, yeah, I can do it. I'm going to recover. There's, I think that only can come from yourself. And one day maybe you get that epiphany moment. I don't know. But for me, I don't know how it came about last time. As I say, last time it was my two children, you know, my, my two boys watching me. And my daughter is, you know, the, the fear is my daughter's also very fit. She goes to the gym and I look sometimes and I think, and I don't know how to broach it with her, whether she is, she isn't. But if you know what I mean, she's so thin. And it, it, it worries me that I've give her my mental illness of an eating disorder. Um, and it makes me depressed. And I'm scared. Of course I'm scared. But I think just to get up one morning and say, I'm going to fight this. I am every morning getting up saying, I can fight it. And I do. You know, I'm on, you know, I'm still on tablets. You know. Let's, I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not on tablets. Of course I'm on tablets. And uh, to help me with my uh, depression and mental health. But it's it's the love of your family. I mean, my wife is my rock. Yeah, she may not believe it. You know, the things I've done to her over the last five, six years, are, you know, she should really divorce me, you know, 10 years. But she's my rock i would miss her so you know she's dependable for me if if it wasn't for her and my family i wouldn't be here today uh, i i know that i'd be i'd be i'd be literally starved myself to death because i just know for me every day i look in the mirror and say i'm fat but she'll say you know look you're not we're here uh and we can laugh and she's a chef as well. That you know, my wife was a trained diet chef. Yeah, you know, we we met in an NHS kitchen, and people find that really weird that she can't snap me out of it. But I guess for me, I've always, as I say, I've always been strong-willed, and if I get something in my head, I will literally try to go for it. And that's that's a for me that's also a mental health issue because that's something that can affect you. It could be great, but it also can really affect you um, trying to recover because you're always fighting. It's like having people say Jekyll and Hyde, and it is. It's like having two heads on you. You know, somebody will say, last week, I hadn't eaten anything. But I said to my wife that was on Thursday, there was something going, purge, purge, purge. You've got to purge. I didn't. But there was just something there every day going on about that on Thursday last week. And it was awful. Uh, I got up on the Friday and I was fine. One thing I'm not doing this time is exercising. But I think that's because of my heart issue. Uh, I mean, I have had to um, do some exercise for my heart and walk more than I was. Uh, but I've not been doing that either. So 
I guess for me, it's the little steps that help me recover. And yeah, one day I'll get up and have that epiphany. But it's it's so difficult. I just don't know whether there's an answer. You know, one thing they did when I was ill the first time was budding me up with uh, somebody with anorexia. And that worked for a while, but sadly he then got it back and he died. Uh, but for me, we were talking together and he was saying, you know, oh, it's great losing weight. I'm looking really, and we were agreeing because I wanted to be thin. For me, every time I look in the mirror, I'm fat. You know, it, it's probably not so much now. now. Now I'm getting a little bit more therapy and help and my family are there. And this is going to sound really odd. We can laugh because you know, last week, my son, who's now yeah, the youngest, is 22 now. And you can imagine a 22-year-old wears designer stuff. I still wear, you know, jeans from Tesco. I'm not a designer person, never have been. Uh, <laughs> materials mean nothing to me. But to a 22-year-old, I guess Armani jeans are something he likes. And, he, he you know, I, I don't regret that. He had that. I had, I had my football. I've never smoked, but football's always been my passion. You know, I love my team, as you could probably see from the wall around me. It's covered in uh, pictures of my football team's successes. So that's been my, you know, outward, you know, my release. But I put, I found a pair of trousers jeans in the back room where my other son, before we moved out, was. And I thought there is. And he's dead thin. And I put them on. Bit long in the leg, but they fit me. They were lovely. So I thought, well, I'm going to out. I'll put these on some nice shoes, a jacket I'd bought, lovely jacket probably the thing I've sport myself with and I felt good till I got back and I, he said to me have you got my jeans I didn't even know there is but for me that felt really good that I was in his jeans but it wasn't of course it was bad but that to me was wow I've done it you know and then it was like my other son's dead thin and he's just he's left it home and it's like mm, I wonder if I could get in those but my wife's now giving him back because she'd know I'd try to aim for that so it's you know it's so small it's so small steps that really do help and you know sort of trigger you it's it's so difficult to say how i will step out talking about it helps me wanting to help others helps me to get out of it that's my sort of passion i'm one of these who want to help people people may not believe that with some of the things you know as i say when you're deep in this and you've got mental health issues you don't realize what you've got and then having my heart issue recently i wasn't getting oxygen either to my brain because my heart wasn't pumping so of course that affects your memory that affects how you react to people never even thought of that yeah it was one of my morning i got up i passed out literally i think i was on the floor and they had to get 999 to me in january and i guess that was a moment also when i thought you've got to start reacting to it but it was odd because when i was in hospital and I was taken in and I was stabilised. And on the Saturday morning, I was at a uh, uh, hospital in Leicester, not the one I worked at. And of course, there's me, foodie. Let's have a look at the menu. And it came and I said to the lady, I don't want to eat. And I'm not eating. I don't feel like it. I'm anorexic in any case, so I won't eat. But for me, I'd already made my mind up that, wow, I'm in hospital. Nobody can see what I'm eating, so I don't have to eat. Isn't that weird? And yet, oh, there I was, mask on what all wired up but for me it was the food that was thinking about odd i think from what you've said there 
you know, and, and obviously when I said, you know, why can't you just recover? I know that it's not that easy. And if it was, then, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here right now. Um, I think the thing that it demonstrates is that the eating disorder has such a hold and, you know, the priorities that you have are to, to lose weight and nothing comes before that. And, you know, I can tell from the way that you're talking how much you love your wife and love your family and everything like that. And it's still the eating disorder and losing weight is, is the priority. And I think that is something that is so important to talk about and to discuss and to just say, you know, debunk that stigma as well, because I think often people think, oh, you know, anorexia is just about losing weight and it's, you know, you're just self-obsessed and narcissistic and stuff. And it's not. It's absolutely crippling day in, day out. You know, you were in hospital and you still think, ah, well, I can get away with not eating here. And it's, you know, it's, it's terrifying to think, you know, that's the impact that it has. But but that is the impact and it does, you know, completely destroy things. And I'm just so grateful to you for for sharing the experience so open and honestly, because it's not an easy thing to say, you know, I, I put, put weight loss before everything else, but it's, that's real. That's exactly what you're living with. And it's, it's scary. I think when you say it out loud to think, gosh, this is kind of the hold it's got on on me and I think that is what makes recovery so difficult is because it's so powerful and it it's almost you know when you said about your your boys seeing you you know I I distinctly remember being um on holiday once and my partner's girlfriend I was excessively exercising and she came in and you know, initially I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe she's she's found me doing this, this this secret that just me and the eating disorder have. But that almost gave me a kind of spark of, I need to get better because I don't want someone finding me at 6am exercising, you know, and then being like, Hannah, what the hell are you doing? But it just shows how much of a hold it has on you when when you can't break out of that, even though realistically everything around you is kind of falling to pieces yeah exactly i mean that that that's literally what happened to me this episode you know the mental health it the it was people didn't i don't think people understand and i, I also blame the media because you know they print all these lovely pictures of supermodels and people with lovely bodies and you know that then when they do print anything on eating disorders it's always a negative or an attack I think, you know, people don't mm-hmm. quite understand the in-depths of an eating disorder. You know, people just think eating disorder is anorexic, you lose weight. But of course, there's other, there's, there's numerous different eating disorders. You know, Princess Diana, God rest her soul, suffered from an eating disorder. There's many other people suffered from an eating disorder. And it's not just anorexia that sadly I've got, you know, it's... You're right. It, it, people stigmatise it. If I had a pound for every time somebody just said to me, I'll just snap out of it, go and have a steak meal. You know, it's like, that's not as easy as it used, you know, can be. You know, I, I've eaten 58 ounce steaks when I was big. 
that that's that was me now oh, I, I just can't it's it's like you see food and it's like some days it's an antichrist it, it's like and i don't mean that derogatory it just it just looks though it's so difficult but for me i think it, it shouldn't be stigmatized you know my my twitter handle is you know i've got it on there no, no stigma uh, because people still as i say stigmatize it and people skirt around it and i think then that's the worst bit is when they try to say oh just go on it's all right it's only food but it's not of course the person's suffering and i do understand that you know i'm not calling or direct to people i literally think that it's been taken you know mental health is something that people just don't understand and eating disorders are not seen some in some quarters as an as a as a mental health issue they're just seen as a fad you know people have said that oh it's just a fad you know you, you had a fad last time you get through it i now realize that this eating disorder my anorexia will be with me sadly for life and a small trigger can trigger it and or a small anything i think on the note of sort of like the anorexia being with you forever i i want to challenge that slightly in that i don't my perspective of it is that you might have the eating disorder forever i think full recovery is possible but what i would hope is that if you were in a scenario again where somebody comments on your weight is that through therapy and through recovery you have different ways of navigating that so rather than kind of having the comment and being like oh my god i've got to go back to the eating disorder it's it's the only thing i know you'll have different coping mechanisms in place and i think that's a really important thing that we need in recovery is to develop other things so you know in that situation rather than just kind of turning inwards and going to the eating disorder maybe you reach out to a friend or you reach out to your wife or somebody and say this is what's just happened and it's really affected me how are we going to navigate this and because i don't i think it would be wonderful to say you're never going to have a disordered thought in the, the rest of your life but i just don't think that that's true one in the society that we live in and two sort of the mindset that we have but i think it's the way that we cope or the way that we navigate in the future that i hope will be different so that the eating disorder isn't the sort of thing that you turn to in in those situations i agree i think this time i would recognize if somebody said that to get help quicker because i now understand that you can get it you see i never thought i could get it again once i got over it i just thought that was it i was over it but now i do i absolutely yeah. do agree i think if i somebody said a trigger whether I recognise it or just ignore it, that's another thing. And I hope I never have to face that again. And I hope I do recover, you know, because it is, you know, as I say, people at work have been fantastic, uh, superb, uh, you know, they, they understand. But, you know, there is still the people who who don't understand and will, would say something. So I'm hoping I could, this if it happened again and I do recover, and I say, I'm still in recovery. I'm not, you know, I'm still getting treatment. I still go to see my consultant. I'm still seeing a counsellor. And, you know, but 
I don't have those bad thoughts anymore that I used to have. You know, I just even had suicidal thoughts because I don't want to hurt my family, but I don't want to be fat. So I'd even gone through that area, which is, it's, it's deep and it does affect you. But for me, it was something that I needed to do uh, to get over. And I think I, I got there. But there's still a journey to go, and I'm never going to give up that journey. And I don't, you know, I won't give up campaigning either because I think the more awareness we can build around this, and this is why what you're doing is, is fantastic because I think it helps people educate them and educate sufferers as well and their families. You know, it's the families I feel for as well because I think we underestimate the impact. I've certainly underestimated the impact that it's played on my family, you know, all the legacy it does. And, you know, it is consuming. And I don't think people can realise that it does consume you. And when they say snap out of it or, or you'll look well, I think what they should be saying is just turn those words slightly, the loving words they're trying to ask, by just saying, how are you doing these days? Yeah, because mm -hmm. sometimes when they say you're looking well, as I said, that to me says, well, they're saying I'm fat. Yeah. Whereas they've just changed their wording slightly. Maybe that would help the person, but I don't know. The answer to your question, I just, until it happens, mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I just don't know how I'd react to it. Yeah. I reacted badly that day. You know, for a month I didn't eat. I just drank water purged people thought i was eating but of course you get the secret as well. yeah i'd go to restaurants do exactly the same go straight to the toilet of course at that stage you my partner julie didn't think that i was ill because i didn't show it you know i don't show my emotions um and i don't mean this as a sexist thing i think men try to hide things we should share our emotions but it's something we we hide and then when it it does happen it's too late. And that's for everybody as well. But I think from, for, and certainly, you know, I'm 60 next year, 59 this year and 60. And here's me battling anorexia. You know, people laugh. But for me, it's a reality. I'm in it. And if I could get a magic wand, as I said, a time machine, I'd be in that time machine and gone. And that's, it, it's so difficult. I don't want to see, you know, I bake. I baked, you know, I baked last weekend. It's like I do it for the people. I love, I love innovating. Yeah, you know, I'm just me. Um, I, yeah. I won't go out on my own now too much because I know if I do, I won't eat. See, in my old job, I used to stay away from home. Well, that used to be great because stay away from home two, three nights a week meant two, three nights now I don't eat. Where before I'd be out with you know clients and them i'd be two or three nights just sat in the hotel room uh pretending i'd eaten telling my wife i'd eaten but of course i hadn't eaten a thing i'd just taken anything to stop me feeling hungry or you know just just sitting there food was just become an antichrist to me and it's i think that's the thing as well isn't it it's the that secrecy that you build with the eating disorder, you know, whether it's hiding food or telling people you've eaten and not, that builds such a, 
like distance between you and your loved ones because there's you have so many secrets that's kind of just you and the eating disorder and I don't know whether you felt this from your perspective but often in my relationship I have felt a massive disconnect and it's often felt like there's been three people in the relationship because the eating disorder and and me are trying to you know do the eating sort of stuff but then my partner is trying to kind of support me on that and then I'm trying to like battle both things to keep everybody happy because it sounds very similar to you in that I'm a people pleaser so I wanted to keep the eating sort of happy to kind of you know keep that make life easier but then equally can see how much it's affecting my partner so I think it really does kind of get in the way of relationships and you know it really struck me there what you said in that you really care about your family and you don't want to hurt them but you know the thought of being fat you, you'd rather die and that I think in itself just shows how powerful eating disorders are and they do just get into everything but I absolutely do think that you know it's like that even if it's a tiny little segment of a spark that keeps you holding on um you know it might feel like recovery is not something that can be possible but I genuinely think you know the work that you're doing in order to raise awareness shows that to me shows that there is hope there for yourself as well because you're doing this to help other people and I think if you didn't want to recover then you wouldn't be talking about it as openly and as honestly because you maybe just kind of retort and, and and resist um but I think as difficult as it is you know recovery is a very long process it's not something that can happen overnight as long as there's that little spark that little tiny weeny thing that sometimes you can't even see then there's hope but it's yeah. just so hard when you're in it to know to think that there is potential that there's a life that that you can sort of doesn't have hold of you yeah and I, you know i do think that as well i think that's the spark in me because uh, it's a trait that i've always had um but i i do get scared i you know i'm really get scared because i know i could get consumed in things very quickly uh and if you know i'm stubborn i can be stubborn uh and that that scares me um but I think for me, my family around me are really helping. I mean, last time when I went to my consultant, my wife comes with me every third time. And, you know, we agreed some parameters. And one of them was a, she'd give me one ham sandwich, one slice of bread every night. And I'd eat, you know, it's a, when I went last time, I started crying at the, getting upset at the consultants. She was with me and she's always doing well. And I started getting upset. And what she hadn't realized was we we look after a, uh, we share a dog with my brother-in-law. Uh, he works nights, so we have him so many weeks. And I was giving a sandwich to the dog. But of course, she, she hadn't seen it. It is that scary thing as well you know i have put weight on and every time they say i put weight on it terrifies me it really does it's like again i think people tend to think i'll oh, just give him a, a meal he'll be all right and you know i say to people you just can't do that to somebody like myself I said we, we need to nurture them but we, we 
I do believe we'll get there. I mean, I can't go on to any eating disorder wards in my relationship with work. That is a, I just can't do it anymore. You know, it breaks my heart uh, to see them. But I think what I'm actually saying is, it's not break, yeah, it's breaking my heart, but it's also me saying, I should be in here. And I'm, I'm lucky at the moment. And I was lucky, I was lucky on that Christmas Eve that they couldn't admit me, because that seemed to be the spark. After that, I started to get a little bit better. I started to eat. I started to eat better. It took a while. And now, whether that was, as people put it, I will be blunt to kick up the backside that I needed to say, you are going in, but we can't get your bed. Maybe that was that kick up the backside that Andy Jones needed. I don't know. But for me, from then on, from that moment, I did start to recover. And then I'll always remember my late auntie, Ruth, it was my daughter's 18th, and Ruth come to see me, and she knew I thought the world of my dad who died 30 years ago this year. And Ruth was like, I wouldn't listen to me mum, but I'd listen to Ruth for some reason. And she was only like, my mum's cousin, it was weird, but they'd been brought up as sisters, and her two daughters and son were brought up as, you know, we're close, we still are. And Ruth suddenly passed now, and I can always remember her saying to me at that time, look, you've got a beautiful family, young family, they love you, you need to come out of this, I'm here, come and talk. You know, what would your dad say? And as soon as she said that, that was my moment of going, yeah, I need to do something. And I start, yeah, that was just after that, and I started to come out of it. And I think, I mean, for me, that was like that moment when this time when somebody said to me, you've put timber on five words people say do i hold that against him no he didn't know absolutely not no i never hold it against that individual never you know he doesn't probably know who he is and people think they know who he is an old work colleague who used to say that but it's not it was somebody else who said exactly the same words who i used to work with and he didn't mean that maliciously he just meant that as thing i'd been that day I'd actually been, I got into London early from Leicester with two boys. They dragged me into a pub very early, which I don't normally do. They'd had drink, we'd had a McDonald's and they'd had pints. Uh, you know, I'd had a, I'd had a pint. No, you know, I'm not going to say I hadn't. I had. Uh, I don't really drink a lot, but I had I'd had a pint. And I went in, they, they stopped outside to do a bit, get in the atmosphere a bit, and I don't blame them. I went in. And that was it, you know. So up until that stage, I was normal. I felt normal again. Obviously, I'd have mental health issues. I'm not going to deny that. But you, you can't. But I, it, it, it was weird how it just hit me. I just can't understand how. Sorry. But it's it just one of those moments. Those five words just triggered me. And ever since, yeah, this time it's probably got worse. As I say, this time machine, but it's I've got been written down everywhere. I'm taking them down now, so that's again. What a fantastic thing that I can take. Yeah. I've started to take those down. Maybe that's the sign of recovery. I don't think personally, as anybody who's on it, who's got an eating disorder, actually knows when they'll recover. It's it'll just happen, and I think the sparks are there. Oi.
and I think the embers, you know, it's like it's like having a fire, isn't it? The fire's been blazing, you've been happy. Somebody comes along and it starts going out, and then one day the embers start lighting again. But for me, it's the passion of sharing. But I only share because I believe people still stigmatise it, and I believe people still have got the wrong ideas of what an eating disorder is. Um, and the more we can educate people and help people with it as well, I'm hoping this podcast helps people as well understand well, that there is hope. You know, that there is hope there. There's help. I think not only you sharing your story will help people know that there's hope, know that there's help. I think the kind of big thing that I'm kind of taking from this is just I'm so appreciative of you sharing your experience because like you say, we don't often hear from men that have eaten disorders. It's a very kind of still stigmatized as a female only issue. And, you know, also for, for somebody of your age as well, I don't think that you necessarily hear about it. So it's really brilliant that you are able to share that. And I hope, you know, like you say, that you sharing your experience really has a positive impact for yourself as well. And just going back to what you were saying, I know you've mentioned it a couple of times, but it is massively the small steps. And I am such a pro for those tiny little small steps because things like you taking down the number that you want to get to the weight of, I think that is really, whilst it might seem to somebody outside a really small step, I think that's massive because it's almost, it's you defying the eating disorder and saying, you're not, you're not going to have this control over me. And actually those small steps because it's not a massive drop in the ocean thing that feels so unbelievably out of your control I think if you do massive steps you're then like oh god I'm not doing this this is absolutely terrifying and actually I was having this discussion with my therapist yesterday and she was talking about how you know if you were in a field and you had lots of different paths that you've trodden down before it feels so much more comfortable to go down those paths because it's easy because you they're already trodden down and you've not got like grass that you need to wade through and actually going through a brand new path would feel really difficult right now and so she was saying why don't we go down a path that's maybe half trodden you know, it doesn't have to be that ultimate path that you're trying to get to. But but right now we could do something that is just a little step in the right direction. And I think that is so important because then you're not scaring yourself into, oh, my God, this recovered life is way out of my control. But you're gently allowing yourself to take that time to adjust to the new things and to move forward. And then I think you make sustained changes for recovery. So small steps, absolutely, as long as they're small steps in the right sort of direction i think that's the key to recovery yeah i i, I agree i mean you know going on a path that you don't know is some is, is scary but if you go on a path you do know and you know you take those small steps you can't there's no giant leap it's small steps it's yourself who has to take be willing to take those steps i think you know that that's the brave thing um and understand that some people haven't got family around them, but if they can take those small steps and make sure that when they take those small steps, my only advice would be celebrate them as well. Look at it that you've achieved something huge today because I think that then, you know, shout about it, put a medal on yourself. I don't know, but I think 
sometimes we take those small steps and don't congratulate ourselves even if it's in our mind i think we should just say wow that's a big achievement tomorrow look what i'm going to do tomorrow you know, it's it's one of those outlooks in life as i said i've, I've always said nothing's impossible in life absolutely nothing yeah when people say oh people won't get to uh yeah if i'd have stood here a hundred years ago and we'd have been talking or we wouldn't have been on this but we'd have been talking and i'd have said <laughs> man will be on the moon we'd have laughed mm. but now man will be in mars not in my lifetime potentially but certainly within the next generation's lifetime you know the coronation what a fantastic thing we're just about to face the king's coronation you know, many people haven't seen a coronation because it was 70 years ago, the last one. But 70 years ago, people were actually struggled around one television in a street if they were lucky. Now it'll be televised to millions and billions of people worldwide. And it, it'll be a place that we can all be part of. But also, I think that's also caused a few community issues where the community doesn't come together anymore. You know, so, so we've lost certain technologies took us away from the community and where I'm trying to get to, I think sometimes it's the community and your families around you can help you out of things like this. And I think sometimes we become isolated because of technology isolating us and we've got to also learn that path as well. But you're absolutely right. Celebrate the strides. Those small steps yeah. are, you know, it, you know, as Neil Armstrong once said, one small step for mankind one giant leap for sorry one giant step for a uh, small step for man one giant leap for mankind for me it's one small step for me with my eating disorder and one giant step for my family seeing me back to normal yeah yeah i love that i think you're so right i think it's that's another thing is that often when you come into recovery you think that you have to do it on your own um because having an eating disorder can be so isolating but actually being able to reach out to somebody and say i might need a hand with this i think that is a really really courageous step and it means that you don't have to do it on your own no. um no. so andy thank you so much for thank you sharing everything with that you have done today and i just really am grateful if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.